Hello and welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast. I'm your host, Ben James. I'm joined as ever by Stefan Thomas. It's another wet and windy day here in Wales. Uh, Storm Isha's just about passed. I think Storm Jocelyn's heading in. <laughs> That's affected our plans in more than one way uh, this week. We will have a few bits and pieces from the Six Nations launch coming up later in the pod. All collected virtually after uh, some dramatic scenes at the airport on Sunday night where I didn't end up flying out to Dublin. Before we get onto that, there's only one place to start in Welsh rugby at the minute, and that is the Ospreys. Having already secured their place in the Challenge Cup last 16, they beat the Lions out in South Africa at Ellis Park with a fantastic comeback victory to set up a home tie against Sale. Steph, I know you've done a piece on their success just just a remarkable victory first of all in isolation but it's all part of just a basically a, a fantastic season under the circumstances yeah it is i mean you look at the um you know we've spoken a lot about the the playing budgets going down and the um you know the, the whole ecosystem that the regions have had to operate in and obviously that's that's one thing and the ospreys have had a, a a ton of injuries on top of that as well um so they it's safe to say they're really punching above their weight at this moment in time. Um obviously they, they did well last season. You know, they, they had they had great victories in, in Montpellier, who who were the French champions at the time and, and obviously won a Welford Road and, and probably should have beaten Saracens. Um they, they they were probably sort of um better teams um than the Lions, but to, to win in Johannesburg at altitude with very little sort of preparation time in South Africa leading up to the game to acclimatise and whatnot with the injury list they had, I would argue that that victory supersedes those those last season. And I think even though they had already qualified, so you could say it was a little bit of pressure off them, um, you know, as well as I do, you know, having a home tie in, in a knockout game in Europe makes, makes all the difference. So, you know, you, you look at it, you're playing against, you know, an, an English team like Sale. Um, if us up in um, up in sale, you're probably saying you know the sale of favourites, but um, home advantage. Um, you know, there's a lot of rugby played before then, Six Nations and, and, and injuries, and um, we'll come into it. But you'd have to say that the Ospreys are, are well placed to, to have a decent run in Europe. And I spoke to Lance Bradley yesterday, and you know, asked him what I know he hasn't been there for long, but asked him what um, what's working so well, and you know. It, he was quick to point out the culture, what Toby Booth has, has, has created. Everyone's playing for the shirt. Um, I know it sounds a bit cheesy, but you can see this total buy-in from the players. Um, he's got the, the fundamental areas of their game, like scrum, set, like, like the set piece, the, you know, the, the kicking game, the general physicality is far stronger than the other regions. So that at least gives them a fighting chance in every game they play. Um, obviously, the, you know, they've had stronger squads in terms of quality and experience in the past. But, you know, I think their supporters are really buying into the fact that the majority of these this team are local lads. They're really fighting for the shirt. And, um, you know, as head coach, Toby Booth has obviously been the one that's uh, that's created that environment. Well, no, absolutely. And I think it is, it's been a, obviously a tough year for, for, for many reasons. You know, you think back to last summer, and I remember just... Even pre-season felt like it was going to be a tough thing to navigate for the regions. Obviously, Cardiff started with, you know, 
eight people in their first session playing four and four touch rugby. The Ospreys had a four month preseason. They've now had a, a 13 game bit stretch without any weeks off. You know, this is a, in terms of a block of games, the Ospreys have, have had a you know, quite brutal set of fixtures in terms of that 13 week block. And, and, and they finished it off in, in Johannesburg and, and, you know, it, I think it would be very understandable if that had been a, a step too far. But as it as it turns out, you know, and, and they had to. He obviously you mentioned the injuries, and they lose George North early on after scoring. The the Lions pull ahead, but it's just remarkable character to yeah. to sort of score those three tries in in the last ten minutes, and it, it, it does it does all stem from from what Toby Booth has has built there. Um, they're just the most. I mean, in terms of the regions, they're, they're clearly just the most pragmatic when it comes to, to, to rugby. Yeah, it, you know the, the nuts and bolts, uh, you know forwards, uh, the, the line out, just sort of what they do with the pack. They, they're clearly, you know, well ahead of the other three. I think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that's a good term used. Like the, the nuts and bolts are far stronger. Like. Toby Booth obviously puts a big emphasis on scrum line out the the sort of the unseen sort of dirty work if you see what I mean that the forwards are got to do up front for for the backs to shine and that that's the thing the Ospreys have a level of physicality and strength that the other three teams don't have so even though they may not have the star quality that previous Ospreys teams have had that that platform at least ensures that they, they have a fighting chance in, in most games that they play. Um, you know, when you come up against South African teams, French teams, um, the one thing that they offer, you can guarantee is physicality and, and, and just size and power. And the Ospreys are probably the only Welsh team that can cope cope with that. Because you look look at Cardiff, um, you know, against Racing, it was a good effort. You know, when Cardiff were able to get front football, they, they looked really dangerous, didn't they? Score some nice tries, but they just couldn't live with um, the power of the of, of the Racing team and what they had coming off the bench. Obviously, I know Racing are a different level to the Lions, but the Ospreys would have been able to cope a little bit better, I think, up front. And I think you know we're in this era about deve- there's a lot of um, focus on uh, developing young players. I've always said that purely putting 15 young players on the park isn't development. You you have to. You're setting them up to fail, but I think the Ospreys and Toby Booth created an environment where he's allowed these young players to flourish because he's not neglected the forwards. You know, not that the other regions are, but there's a real emphasis on that set piece, and the recruitment's been really smart. So then you got a kid like well, he's not a kid, but a young man like Dan Ed was coming in, and if he was playing for the other regions, it would probably be a bit of a rougher ride because he'd be on the back foot a lot, but. He's playing in a, in a confident Ospreys team. They've got, they've always got a decent forward platform at least, and he, he's obviously going to be able to develop a lot better at a at a side like the Ospreys. And um, there's other players there as well, like Owen Watkin, you know, discarded by Wales, um, and the Ospreys obviously have allowed him. They've provided him the environment um, to to and the platform for him to get back in the squad, and he was outstanding. You know, he totally deserves. Is placed back with Wales, so obviously there's challenges for them, and it'd be hard to build on it because the 
you know, if the budgets keep getting cut and salary caps keep going lower, then it's going to be hard for anyone. But I think at least they've they've got the 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 foundations in place to build a decent team for the future, as long as the the double IU hold hold to to their end of the bargain. Because I mean, that's always the the comment we make with the Ospreys is that you look at their pack and it, it is you could effectively be the Welsh pack. Yeah. And then you look at a game like Saturday, and I think they had two, maybe two, two internationals in that pack. Sam yeah. Parry, Adam Bird. I mean, James Ratty's been a, a call up. Obviously, Reese Henry was starting. You had uh, Harry Deves and Morgan Morse, who, you know, at least one of them is going to go on to play Test Rugby. I suppose Tom Botha could have played Test Rugby. Um, you know, had had a Wales coach felt the need to pick him. Then you got Will Hickey off the bench. Guys like Ethan Lewis, uh, Cameron, Cameron Jones, Cameron B. Jones. Don't want don't to get their mix up. Uh, ben Warren, Lewis Jones. That, that, that's the conveyor belt they've got there, you know, to basically go out to South Africa and stand up to a pack when you've got most of your, your, your four internationals not there. That's that's testament to what they're doing. I think Toby Booth said last year that this year they'll really be judged. Obviously, last year they had those great results against Montpellier and, and, and Leicester. This year they'll really be judged on what they do against the other Welsh teams and in Europe. And... Yeah. I suppose bar bar the defeat to Ronnie Brave against Dragons, which is always a always a funny one for the Ospreys when they go to Ronnie Brave. They just for whatever reason there they don't seem to do that well. You know they've they've been superb on all fronts. You know they've, they've qualified in Europe and I mean they've beaten Cardiff, they've beaten the Scarlets. Have they, have they done this? Have they done a double over the Scarlets? My mind's gone. Yeah, yes, they have. Yeah, they have. Yeah, because obviously Hannah them in the Swansea. What can you ask? But it, it is just that 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 conveyor belt of, of players in the pack. You know, you you look at the players they were missing in terms of you know, like a Morgan Morris, a Jack Morgan, a Dewey Lake, uh, James Fender is coming through. They didn't even have these guys. It's just remarkable, sort of. Yeah, what they're doing there with their with their forwards. Yeah, like we, as I said on a podcast before Christmas when we were talking about the Scarlets, um, you compare the Ospreys to the Scarlets, and I have no idea why this is, but the Ospreys tend to develop a certain type of forward, you know, like a, a Reese Davis, um, a James Fender, you know, even if, you know, a, a Reese Henry, even if certain players aren't quite going to be top internationals. Um, they're really physical. They're abrasive. They've got an edge about them. They, 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 they're, they're not afraid to put their head in, in the wrong place to get hurt. You know, they, they, they just got a certain type of forward. They, they tend to produce. I've no idea why that is. Um, but that, that's maybe the, the biggest difference I can see between the, the Ospreys and, and the Scarlets. Um, well, there, there are other differences as well, but that's one big difference. Um, and, and they, they they just got that type of player, you know. Jim, it would have been interesting to see if James Fender was fit, whether he'd have made the Wales squad because he was he, he was outstanding. It it, it seems it, it feels like it's a matter of when, not if, with him. Bit bit like Morgan Morse. Um and and there's just this like desire to 
to fight for the jersey and, and for your teammates. I know it sounds a bit cheesy, but that later on in competitions, yeah, you know, they they, they probably won't win anything um, because there are teams with a lot lot um, lot bigger budgets, and more depth in the squad, better overseas players and whatnot. But they've at least got a squad that can put themselves in the mix for playoffs and stuff. And if you get that far, then you know um, you've always got a chance. But um, yeah, I, I, I just think uh, you know Toby Booth has uh, transformed uh, transformed the Ospreys, hasn't he? Yeah, it's, it's funny you say about fighting for the jersey because I've seen comments, and, and a lot of it comes down to, to perception, and that's sort of a buzzword in Welsh rugby this year. I've seen comments from people on, on social media saying that this young Ospreys team has more fight than maybe, you know, last year's team or the year before that. I mean, quantifiably, there's no way of proving that. And it's probably not true. I, I think if you're professional, you step out on the field and you, you give your all no matter what. I think it's very rare you're not doing that. But it's just, it's that whole idea of perception. You know, you look, it's the same with Cardiff. You know, Cardiff's results aren't brilliant, but there's a, there's a, there's a want to play rugby. And so I think people are forgiving with them, you know. But yeah, with with the Ospreys, it's it is just yeah. You, you, you look at the Wales team. There's only four Ospreys in the in the squad. That speaks to, to the injuries that they're having. Because I think we, you know, if there were so many injuries, do you think how many Ospreys there'd be in in that Wales squad? Yeah, and I, yeah, and I think that's probably a a bigger problem for, for Warren Garland, isn't it? In, in the sense that he can't call upon so many of these players. Because they are they are the, the, the form region. Um, and, you know, now they've, now they've got an exciting sort of end of the season to look forward to. Because a home home game against Sales, are, you know, as we saw from Cardiff last year, that's that's winnable. I think Sale have dropped off a little bit form-wise in, in the Premiership. Um and they can potentially look to to get into that sort of top half of the league, which would be a, a remarkable achievement given everything that's happened yeah. in the last twelve months. I think we were we were largely expecting the four teams to to be sort of near the basement of the URC. Um So if anyone does sort of manage to pull themselves out from that, it, it is it is remarkable. But the Ospreys won't have many games coming up in the weeks ahead because there is the Six Nations uh, as we mentioned at the top of the episode there was a Six Nations launch in Dublin at the start of this week uh, unfortunately we didn't quite make it out uh, with Storm Isha affecting flights uh, although we did manage to get some virtual access uh, from here in Cardiff so uh, without further ado we'll, uh, we'll let you listen to, to what some of the people involved had to say we'll, uh, we'll hear from Scotland coach Gregor Townsend Ireland coach Andy Farrell, England coach Steve Borthwick, of course Warren Gatland, but first Italy captain Michele Lamaro. Michele obviously finished the uh, the tournament in Cardiff uh, once again, two years on from that famous victory. What what are your thoughts on the Welsh team as it is right now? Obviously, a lot of experienced players have, have left, and there's a lot of young players coming in who are just getting their, their sort of their start in the URC. Oh, well, uh, Wales is Wales. I mean, they've got tradition, they've got culture. They know how to win games, honestly. Uh, we can see even during the World Cup, they've they had a massive challenge in front of them and they've delivered in, in, in the best way they could. So 
uh, they've got a young side. I think they they've got some 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 new faces in there, but uh, at the same time they are uh, you know they're willing. They've got a great coach. They've got some great players, uh, and and you know they they know how to how to not only win games but how to win Six Nations as well. So uh, generally, it's 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 a play. It's it's a game. Obviously, we're looking forward to. Uh, at the same time, uh, I think they they will be they will be at their best or the whole tournament. And because of what happened two years ago, that's a long time ago. Do you, do you travel to Cardiff with perhaps a heightened sense of confidence because you know you can win in the Principality Stadium? Well, I think like two two years ago, they they've been just a little bit like arrogant in a way because I remember those last 10 minutes they were up by six points and they didn't they had a, a, a chance to go just uh, up by nine points and they didn't took it and I think that's something that happens only with someone you probably disrespect in terms of uh, you know generally so I think that's that's mainly uh, something that has slightly changed uh, in that in that, in that sort of uh, in that sort of area so I think this year is going to be a, a, a clash between two that wants to uh, put their best performance out. So obviously uh, the confidence to, to win there two years ago uh, has moved on with us and we know it's something that we can do. Uh, at the same time, we know that if we play at our best and we know we, you know, we stick to the plan for the whole 80 minutes, we're probably going to have a chance to win against every against every team. I'm not saying uh, if we play at our best, we win, but if we play at our best, we're probably going to have one chance to win or a few chances. And, you know, then you need to work on how you're going to take those chances, you know. But first of all, uh, to answer your question, I think confidence is, is the most part of that. But, you know, you know we need to put in the best performance to in, a, in in order to to compete at 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 the at the stadium like that Greg obviously you uh, you kick off the tournament in Cardiff looking for first win there since 2002 there was some noise from the Wales camp ahead of the game at Murrayfield last year and I think there's scenes in the upcoming Netflix documentary that that, that show a team talk surrounding that um, with the GSP and as a team you didn't really care what anyone externally said about you but is it frustrating though when, when your record, record is questioned as it was before that game at Murrayfield last year? No, I think um, you, you're you going to get external noise whether they're positive or negative in the build-up to the game um, you'll get more of it if you, if you don't play well and have a poor, poor performance or poor result so it's just part of sport Um Sometimes you can use it to motivate you, but often it's it's a distraction. So the the most important thing is is the communication within the group that week and the clarity of how we're going to play at the weekend. And just quickly, what what are your thoughts on this Wales team? It's probably a very different Wales team to the one that you put to the sword last year. Obviously, a lot of retirements and a, a lot of young players uh, sort of getting their start in the URC and as such being brought into the into the Wales camp. Yeah, look, I thought Wales were one of the best teams in the World Cup um, throughout the pool stages. Uh, their performance against Australia was outstanding. 
yeah, they do have young players coming into the test environment for for the first time last year in, in the World Cup and now uh, in this year's Six Nations. That can be a positive thing. That can be a re-energizer for, for the group. And having your first game at home in that atmosphere at, at Cardiff will be inspiring to the, to the Welsh players. So we, we know they'll, they'll play very well against us uh, in two weeks' time. Uh, yeah, just uh, one for, for both Andy and Peter. Uh, by and large, Wales squads have tended to exceed URC results and performances in previous years, probably much to the confusion of, of anyone outside Wales, really. Um, I was just wondering, given the sort of the, the financial challenges and, and the way the situation has been exacerbated in Wales in the last year, do you still feel that, that that'll, that'll be the case? Whereas Wales, being the team that we all know that they are, it feels strange, doesn't it? It feels, takes me back to COVID times, this. But anyway, um, you've got uh, Scotland first up, haven't they? Uh, Wales. Uh, that's a, a fantastic um, uh, first game for both, of, for, for both of those countries. You know, there's always pressure on every first game, but Wales versus Scotland will concentrate the mind, I, I, I'm sure about that. And knowing uh, the type of personnel, but more importantly, the type of uh, coach that they've got there, um, it would be galvanised and the strong as ever, if I know uh, uh, Gats, uh, which I think I do, uh, they'll be as strong as ever this this uh, this time round. Uh, Steve, just for clarity, as I don't think it's been reported anywhere, uh, what is the exact family link that makes Emmanuel Feweboso eligible to play for England? I'll get the administration department, the RFU, to feed it. If you can log that, and I'll make sure it gets to you. I know he's eligible. That's all that, that matters to me right now. So I already asked because I think there is a lot of misplaced frustration that he's not chosen Wales when he's got just as much right to play for England. Obviously, I don't know if you saw Warren Gatland's comments last week that some of the coaches, the Welsh coaches, were unimpressed by his decision. Are you surprised by those comments? Is there a need to perhaps protect him slightly more given the attention? So it won't surprise you. I don't read too many of the comments. So the people said, hi, I haven't seen any of the comments. Um, and... Um, Every coach has has a view. From from my point of view, Manny has been playing really well in Premiership and European rugby. I think that's undeniable. Um, and he's a guy who's passionate to play for England. So I'm looking forward to to working with him going forward and in, in, in many years to come as well. Uh, Warren, obviously a lot of young players uh, in this squad. They ordinarily would have been bigger talking points last week, were it not for other events. Can you just talk about that that uncapped five players and, and what they'll bring if they do get their chance, in particular looking at the back row injuries, uh, Mackenzie Martin and, and Alex Mann? I, I think with Mackenzie and, and Alex, they're probably two players that have um, sort of uh, been given opportunities that may not in the past have come their way and have definitely uh, we've been pressed with Alex in terms of his work rate and um, you know, some of the things that he's done and, and, and with Mackenzie as well, some of his attacking stuff and ball carrying, he's come and, come and given, been given a chance with Cardiff and um, and really um, caught our eye. So we're, we're excited by those two players and with some of these players, we've, we, we've hung a you know, sort of hat on, 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 on them and we need to sort of persevere with them and then we've got 
looking at the type five, I think the way the game's evolving is that you need a type five that can obviously do do the set piece, but the game's about mobility and about these high forwards getting around the field, and that becomes pretty important. And that's that's why having a look at at Archie Graham and and Archie Griffin, sorry, and um, and Evan Lloyd in terms of the hooker, we both young players that haven't had a lot of um, club and regional experience, but have been spoken really highly about by um, people who are coaching them. And we've kind of looked at them about fast tracking them, giving the opportunity, and then and Cam as well with with Cardiff has been playing fullback. He's come from under twenties program and. And he's played, been playing some some really really good rugby, and um, we've seen some real progress in him as well as as a player. So, so you look, there's some youngsters that um, haven't, like I said, haven't had a huge amount of rugby or haven't had a lot of experience, and it's uh, making sure that we give them the best opportunity that we that we stick with them. You don't you don't always get it right, um, and I've probably been quite lucky in the past that we've been quite successful in identifying some young players and. Um, but that doesn't close the door on any other youngsters as well. And so I think the, the thing is that these, these players that are playing at regional level get out there and um, put your hand up and, and get noticed. And if you do that, then you know, you've, you've got a chance of, of coming in to us. So yeah, plen- plenty of interesting uh, views there. I don't know. I think Steve Bother was a little bit guarded when I asked him about how Emmanuel Fay were both so qualified for Wales, but we did get there in the end. We we found out the the link. It's a, a paternal grandmother uh, from Gloucester. As I say, I only asked just because I think there's a lot of misplaced uh, anger towards him in in Wales that he's a. I've seen comments that he's a traitor, which of course he isn't. Um, you know, it's his it's his right on who he plays for. Yeah, even now it continues to be an interesting talking point, doesn't it? We've seen Warren Gatland joking that uh, he maybe should think twice about playing in the A game. It's it's going to be a talking point throughout the Six Nations, isn't it, Steph? Yeah, yeah, definitely. But I think this is the the era we we live in, isn't it? Um, as you said, you know, I, uh, he's you know, as as you know, we're, we're both passionate Welshmen, so obviously. Um, you know, we we would have preferred to see him play for Wales, like uh, like any Welsh person. But um, at the end of the day, you know, he had a choice to make. It's his life; it's not ours, and nobody's got a right to tell him who who he should play for, how he should feel, or or, or all that type of thing. So, um, yeah, it's it's just it's just the era we live in, and a lot of people have those those views that you know he's he's a trait and whatnot, which which is obviously misplaced, but. There's a lot of people with dual nationalities. Like, you know, I remember interviewing Henry Thomas in the summer when he got called up for Wales and he said, you know, obviously he was proud, still very proud that he played for England and born and raised in England, but his dad was Welsh from Swansea and he spent the summers with his grandparents in Swansea and, and that type of thing. And he and he felt Welsh as well. So people have, have diff, you know, dual nationalities and he's an example of that. Obviously, you know, he fe- he probably feels that, his his education um, for, for his education, wanting to become a doctor, he's better place staying in in England, um, and yeah, he, he's got he's got every right to, to to choose who he wants to choose, and you know Wales have taken quite a few players of England as well in the past. Um, maybe England didn't want those players, so maybe it's a bit different. But we can't really complain when when we've done it as well. So um, yeah, 
you know, disappointing. He's not playing for Wales, but he has every right to uh, to, to play for England. And of course, there was another dual qualified player who was the topic of uh, questions um, when it came to, to, to Gatland at the launch. Rhys Ruddock, it, it's felt like a bit of a flyer. I won't lie. Um, when, when the story was first mooted, it felt like one of those things, you know, people have noticed a date and it's sort of been put out there, but is there much substance behind it? In fairness, Gatland did say that he'd spoken to, to Mike Ruddock about, you know, Reese Ruddock's availability and, and, and when he would uh, qualify for Wales again. Later on in the, in the day, I think he sort of backtracked a little bit, sort of said it's a wait and see type thing, but it, it didn't sound like it's an avenue that they're really exploring. It, it would it would be a surprise, wouldn't it, if, if they went down that route. If you look at the back row options they got now, obviously there are a load of injuries, um, you know, particularly at six. You think Josh McLeod could have played their uh, tame plum tree. Jack Morgan's out, uh, Toby Falatow's out. But if you look at the the makeup of the, the, the back options they've gone for, obviously called in Mackenzie Martin, Alex Mann, two young uh, players coming through at Cardiff, it would then be a bit of a, a strange move then to bring in a, a 33-year-old who hasn't really played too much rugby this year for Leinster. Yeah, it would be... It would be um... I'm all for this this law, so I wouldn't I wouldn't be against you know somebody moving from Ireland to Wales, but I think it would show um, where Welsh it, it it wouldn't shine a great light on Wales and where Wales are at in terms of their depth because ultimately he's a good player, you know he's been a, an exceptional provincial player in Ireland, um, been in and out of the Ireland team, but he's never he's never been a front line player. So if if Wales were to go down the road of selecting a thirty three year old who's not a first choice at Leinster anymore, doesn't done really say much to it for for the options Wales have got. I mean, obviously as as we've said before, um, you know, blindside flankers and it is a position where, you know, you could go down the dual opposite route, but it's not you know, it's it's not uh, a position where Wales are, are blessed at the moment, especially considering they're not picking Ross Moriarty, so there could be a lot of injuries, and he may just have to fill a hole. So that I can understand that, but he's certainly not a long term option. You know, if if they can help it, they they need to. I I wouldn't go down that road, and um, that, that's just my view. In in other circumstances and with other contexts, I I would be fine with it. I think. If Wales were maybe in a stronger position in terms of their overall team and it felt like oh, we're just lacking a six, we could do with him, you know, having a campaign or two and, you know, maybe it helps us, you know, challenge for a Six Nations, then great. Or if we, on the flip side, if we had a very, very inexperienced team and, and we thought this was just a bit of experience we could throw in where we didn't have any, then again, great. But what I think where we're at now is we're, I just don't see the point in 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 filling a hole because I think Gatlin realizes he's going to need to to blood you you know blood new players over the over the next year or so particularly you know probably probably sooner than Gatlin would normally in a World Cup cycle. Yeah. Um, you know, you think back to his last three cycles with Wales. Twenty sixteen was the earliest he really started looking at change in that twenty nineteen build up. 
I mean, 2011 World Cup, he, he only really started looking at change that year. Um, you know, 2010 was still a very 2008-ish team. So I think he, he knows, I think he knows with where, where Welsh Rugby's at at the minute, he's going to have to blood youth. So I think any opportunity he can get, I think he's he's got to sort of lean into it. And if you've got Alex Mann, if you've got Mackenzie Martin, I just think there's no need to then turn around and, and bring in uh, someone like Reese Ruddock. I just don't think it makes sense with what we're trying to do right now. I think there's only there's only five uncapped players in the squad. It's not It's not a... A, a great deal of, of uncapped players. Obviously there's eight players further to that who haven't played in the Six Nations before, but they've all had World Cup training camps. So it's not, it's not a massive um, sort of leap for them. You know, obviously guys like Corey Domachowski played in the World Cup and then other guys like Joe Roberts didn't, but you know, they, they, they've had enough time with Wales to sort of, to, to know what they're doing. So I just think, if he can, I think he, he he's just got to look to get this these these sort of young players in because it's a. I know, I know he said you know they they could win the, the Six Nations yesterday, which of course he's going to say, you know. But I don't no, no one's expecting to. Um, you know, he, he went through his hypotheticals sort of you know as he as he tends to if you win the first game, you know, then the second games. You know, you go into that with a bit of confidence. He didn't go to the third and fourth game in the hypothetical because that's Ireland and, and France, which I don't think anyone really wants to to think about too much at the minute. So I just think, you know, this Six Nations is probably a bit of a free hit. Yeah. Even with the even with the World Cup, I think people were very impressed with Wales at the World Cup, you know, obviously other as, as Gregor Townsend said, he, he thought Wales were one of the, the better teams at the World Cup, but we're in a different place once again now. So I just think we've got to realise where we are and, and sort of look to youth and, uh, you know, probably use this, uh, this Six Nations as, as a as a sort of learning tool without being too damaging to to what we're trying to build. Yeah, I, th- I think I think you're right. Um, that, that's just the reality, isn't it, of, of where Wales are at. And it was tough enough at the World Cup, but... You know, Wales have lost Bigger and Anscombe. Thomas Francis isn't there. Uh, Lake and Morgan are injured. Reece Armit's gone. Halfpenny and, and Liam Williams no longer there either. Uh, and Farlato's injured. So that's a lot of experience and quality they haven't got available to them. Um, and I think the reality is there's not... You could squabble over one or two positions, but... This is probably on the whole the strongest squad he can he can really pick anyway. There's okay, maybe one or two areas he could have gone differently. Um and there's obviously injuries, but this is just where Welsh rugby's at, you know. He said for a number of years, you know, about you know, if you don't service the regional game properly and and, and everything underneath the, the men's national team, then um, you know, you're gonna stop being successful upstairs. And some would argue that that's caught up with us. Other people then would say it's just it's just what it is, you know. We we had a freak generation of player, um, and these things go in cycles. And Wales is a small country, so it's bound to happen. It's probably truth in both of those theories. But um, yeah, I, I just think yeah, the ra- reality is Warren Gatlin's a winner. He's got a winning mindset, and he is the type of play a uh, type of coach who, when he gets hold of a group of players, he he makes them believe that they can win, and um, they got a really 
sort of rigid game plan that everybody understands and can buy into and um you know people can sort of um you know they can raise their game at international level and play above themselves so wales could shock teams but if you just take a look at in the cold you know light of day you have to say that wales have the fifth strongest squad in in this competition and um that's where wales are at so we're going to have to accept defeats. We're going to have to accept that there are going to be bubs along the way. But I think the Welsh public need to understand that there's a long-term goal. This is just where Wales are at. And hopefully by 2027 World Cup, Wales will be in a position to 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 be very competitive in that tournament. But yeah, they, I agree with you. They, Gatland has to go down this uh, this road. No, absolutely. And it's it's going to be a fascinating Six Nations to uh, to sort of watch in terms of how how that pans out and how it looks obviously Scotland first up is a is a fascinating one because on on form you'd say they 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 should be probably putting us to the sword although they had a they had a disappointing world cup obviously in a, in a very tough pool and historically they don't win in Cardiff so it's going to be fascinating to see what happens with that one obviously next week we'll be bringing you all the build up to that that Six Nations opener uh, at the Principality Stadium but that's it for today's podcast as always massive thank you to listening and to Steph uh, if you have enjoyed the podcast do make sure to, uh, to leave it a review it really does help us out but until the next one goodbye